Last month, an app zoomed up the charts in China. It's called Zao. It's an artificial intelligence app that people can upload pictures of themselves into. Kerry Allen studies Chinese social media for BBC Monitoring. And they can then be put onto clips from TV programs, movies, and it more or less looks like somebody is, is in a movie or in a TV program. She noticed that a lot of the clips that Zhao produced looked very convincing. For instance, a viral video of one young Chinese man being transformed flawlessly into Leonardo DiCaprio in Titanic. And there were more. So I've seen examples of Chinese people's faces being superimposed onto characters in Game of Thrones. And it's been a big, exciting app in China. There's been lots of people saying, wow, this is really cool that we've reached this level of artificial intelligence now where I can literally feel like a movie star. There's a name for this kind of technology. It's called deepfakes. And within a short space of time, it's turned from a curiosity, something you may have heard about that's on the horizon, to something that can be harnessed by millions of people using their smartphones. But along with the rapid development of deepfakes has come serious worries. The clips of Zhao users turning themselves into movie stars are not 100% convincing, but within a couple of years, some people say maybe just the next 12 months, there will be deepfake technology that is indistinguishable from video reality. When you combine that with the viral power of social media, the potential for misuse, misinformation, and worse is obvious. This is BBC Trending, the podcast that takes an investigative look at the world of social media. This week, how worried should we really be about deepfakes? For years, they've entertained us. It's not just Zhao. The basic building blocks of this technology have given us things like fantastic Hollywood special effects. But now, it's been democratized. It's in the palm of our hands. Are we looking at a world where bad actors can create fake viral clips of politicians? where it becomes increasingly hard to separate reality from fiction. And how easy is it really to create one of these fake videos? With me to answer these questions is Sean Alsop. Hi, Mike. Yes, later on, I'm going to be looking at the cutting edge of this technology and seeing just how easy it is to be, to coin a phrase, deep faked. OK, so you better give us the potted history. When did they start showing up? Well, the term deepfakes first cropped up in late 2017. It comes from Reddit, which of course hosts all sorts of message boards on all sorts of topics, including porn. I guess it's to be expected. On one of these message boards, there was a user who would post homemade videos of celebrities and movie stars with their faces superimposed onto porn videos. That user's handle was deepfakes. There are now Reddit boards, or subreddits devoted to deepfakes where users share deepfake software to make their own. Another example of that idea that technology is often driven by the porn industry. Anyway, can you outline the various types of deepfakes? Well, there seems to be three different kinds. First, there is the original CGI, computer-generated imagery. This is a kind of stuff we've seen in countless blockbuster films. So, special effects and even in some cases, bringing actors back onto the screen after they're dead? That's right. Now, the second type of deepfake is face swapping. This is a kind used by Zhao, the Chinese app you mentioned at the start. It's where one person's face is superimposed onto someone else's. 
They're often pretty comical, and this being the internet, a lot of them feature the actor Nicolas Cage. Yes, for some reason, the Cage memes are everywhere. There's no escaping Nicholas. Okay, and the third type. The third type is video dialogue replacement. This is where a video of someone's mouth and face moves with a pre-recorded dialogue they never actually said. But when you combine the audio and the manipulated video, it looks like they're saying the words that someone else has put in their mouth. It's been a long journey for artificial intelligence to get to this stage where these kind of fakes look pretty realistic. My name is Hal Lee. Hal is a professor of computer science at the University of Southern California. He's an expert in artificial intelligence, and he's worked on lots of films. You may remember in the film franchise Fast and Furious, the lead actor Paul Walker, halfway through filming the seventh installment, passed away. Yeah, certainly it was a big story at the time. Well, Hal was part of the team who were able to insert Paul Walker digitally into the film so they could finish it. It's no exaggeration to say that his work has been seen by millions. Go back in time, you know, the first time you see Terminator, that you know, liquid metal that looks like reality but obviously isn't.、Uh, you know, dinosaurs in Jurassic Park. So this is in the late nineties and early two thousands. The technology was able to create humanoid robots and bring dinosaurs back from extinction, but. There was always one thing they really tried to do, but struggled with: how to make a fake human appear realistic. Certain things were harder to capture, and one of them were the human face. And、uh, the human face is, you know, difficult to digitize. One of the focus of many research labs were: how do we create, you know, really photorealistic digital humans? And the second thing was, of course, how do we make them accessible? We know that movie technology has got a lot better in the last few years, and it's rapidly getting cheaper and easier to use. And soon, artificial intelligence will give users the ability to put themselves in a game or a film. You know, in the near future, we're going to interact with virtual humans, and we're going to interact with virtual humans that are versions of ourselves. A lot of opportunities in entertainment. Imagine you would have a way to have personalized gaming, play video games where the characters are actually yourself and your friends in it. That's the good side, I guess. New forms of entertainment. I mean, I could put my sons into Star Wars; they'd love that. Hal says that kind of stuff will be more common in everyday life. Okay, sounds exciting. But of course, there is a big problem. Okay, of course, <laughs> the one we mentioned at the start. That third type of deepfake I mentioned, the kind where you can put words into people's mouths, it makes it easy to deceive by creating fake content that looks realistic. What if we saw a politician saying something completely outrageous, or confessing to a crime they didn't have anything to do with, through the power of deepfakes? One thing that I'm pretty sure I never thought this would ever be a concern was. What if people would use it for malicious intent? I should point out that Hal wasn't behind the deepfake porn on Reddit, which doesn't sound like something I should have to spell out. But the problem is, the technology has got so good that a lot of people thought that maybe he was. When the whole deepfake thing came out, and you know, the first、uh, use in pornography was all in the news. And our investors were calling me and asking, like, "Was it you?" I was like, "No, no, no. It had nothing to do with me." 
So, Sean, in the last year or so, there have been a number of fake videos that have become big news. Yes, but not all of them are deepfakes. Take a viral video of leading American Democratic politician Nancy Pelosi. And we thought we had some level of agreement, but you never know with this president of the United States. So that's what happened this morning. It was very, very. It was doctored to make it appear that she was drunk at a political conference, slurring her words. But that is not what we're talking about here. It's not a deepfake. No, that was much more simple technology. It just had some parts slowed down and sound pitched altered. In fact, another term cropped up for videos like these: deepfakes. It went viral and was pretty clearly not true. But it just goes to show how easily people can fall for doctored videos. Even President Donald Trump shared a version of it. Okay, that's a cheap fake. Nice term, but there have been a few deep fakes which have gone similarly viral. Yes, there are some impressive instances where people's faces seamlessly transform into famous actors, where we were able to see Sylvester Stallone take over Arnold Schwarzenegger in the film Terminator. Stallone in Terminator. What a thought! We no longer need to dream. Clips have appeared where the technology has brought Mona Lisa to life, and I'm sure Da Vinci would be delighted. I'm sure he would be as well. And then there was one of the Facebook chief executive, Mark Zuckerberg, shockingly revealing Facebook's evil intention when it comes to data. But again, it was a fake. Imagine this for a second: one man with total control of billions of people's stolen data. So my name is Bill Posters. I am an artist researcher. Bill is the man behind the Mark Zuckerberg deepfake. He made it for an art exhibition called Spectre. The idea behind it was to explore the dangers of privacy and online data. It also included other fake videos: Morgan Freeman, Kim Kardashian, Donald Trump. The late Freddie Mercury and more. Bill intended to demonstrate the power of this technology and the potential risks that come with it, and it was the Zuckerberg deepfake which caught the public's attention. We really wondered, you know, what would Mark Zuckerberg say if he could about Facebook's business model, and how could we use these new technologies in a creative way to engage a broad public in the deeper ethical and moral and philosophical debates? I owe it all to Spectre. Specter showed me that whoever controls the data controls the future. It was quite shocking, actually. I mean, in the Specter project, there's 40 plus of these deepfake videos, right, within the, the the installation. But when we got the Zuckerberg one through, we we were quite shocked. I remember was、um, yeah, just playing that video quite a few times with our jaws on the floor, really. Sean, I saw the video at the time. This is back in June, and I thought it looked very convincing at a glance. Perhaps less so if you studied it closely, but then again, the first time I saw it was in the context of, here's a deep fake. It's not real, but look how realistic it is. It is pretty uncanny. If you looked carefully, you could tell the video was not real. For instance, they didn't use Mark Zuckerberg's real voice. They used another voice that doesn't sound exactly like him. But that still wasn't enough for some people who still believed it to be real. 
also were replying to comments on the Instagram posts. I mean, there's hundreds, thousands of comments on there that we were trawling through. And, and yeah, some people generally did think it was real and were very concerned, whereas others knew, you know, the voice wasn't quite right because we used a voice actor. Visually, it looked very, very convincing. We released uh, five of these deep fake artworks onto Instagram. And then um, it was actually after a few beers when I just linked in the hashtags uh, deep fake and deep fakes into each of those posts. And overnight, literally, they just went viral on Instagram first organically. And then um, it was Vice Motherboard that picked up the story first and then the New York Times. And then we had two weeks of constant press, 10 hours a day of press when we were quite um, excited, but also slightly concerned about sharing that content on social media platforms like Instagram, because there is a responsibility that comes with, with kind of interrogating these new technologies, right, and engaging audiences. And again, Sean, we come back to the problem, and here's a real-world example. Bill did not set out to deceive. But if he had, it could have had some big consequences for Facebook. And this kind of video could have perhaps even bigger consequences in politics. As you mentioned, Sean, this technology uses artificial intelligence. It's becoming more accessible, and it can be good or it can be bad. Yes, and I wanted to see just how easy it is to get deepfaked. Just a couple of years ago, making these kinds of videos required hundreds of pictures or video clips. You had to have a lot of footage. But now, researchers can make a deepfake with just one photo. Just one photo? Just one photo, yes. I went to Imperial College here in London, where I met Maya Pantic. She's a professor of machine learning and computer vision. The whole idea of to work on this research topic came about because we wanted to actually get additional data to train our algorithms for, uh, for example, emotion recognition as well as for uh, different behavior recognition. And we realized that there is a very, very few data available online and that uh, uh, artificial data augmentation would be actually a way forward. So originally we started with uh, fake video generation in order to actually do the data augmentation. What this means is that the team at Imperial is trying to detect deepfakes. But the problem is there's not a huge amount of them floating around online. So Maya and her team found that they actually had to create more deepfakes in the lab to study how they worked. The technology Maya and her team use can make people say words they never actually said. That third type of deepfake you mentioned earlier, video dialogue replacement, like that Mark Zuckerberg deepfake we were talking about. Exactly. So we take the audio file as the input and one single static image of a person and then we make a video of that person speaking whatever is in the audio file. So he played around with it for a bit, and here's Maya's student, Konstantinos Vogiogos. Okay. So what do you want to do in terms of, let's stay with this one? Um, so we've got, let's see what faces we've got. Bieber, uh, Cruz, Tom Cruise, um, Elton John. Elton John was very good, yeah. I think you can't go wrong with a bit of Elton. Okay, so Elton, let's, let's and then Elton. singing Elvis again, uh, Beyonce. Elton John singing Beyonce has always been a dream collaboration, so let's see if we can kill two birds and one stone. Okay. So you've chosen a photo, you've clicked the audio Beyonce, which I think is Halo, and um, it'll send it to the server, which processes the, the image and the sound, and then creates a, a video. 
Oh, goodness. So people listening aren't going to get the full effect of this, but essentially they've made Elton John sing a Beyonce song. His lips are actually moving. That's from one image. Yep. Now, nobody's going to mistake that for a real video clip, but I've got to say it still looks pretty impressive. It definitely does. We played around with numerous celebrities, and here's the thing. These deepfakes were created using just one photo that we found online. Creating the video itself took less than 20 seconds. It's jaw-dropping. And then it was my turn. I've just seen all these famous faces, and now I want to know, is it possible for me to be manipulated in these videos? Yes, of course, and we can do it on the phone. OK, should we give that a try? Yeah. OK, so they're taking a photo of you on a phone, super casual. Yeah, I expected a lot more, but it was just a straight look at the phone, and then they asked me what dialogue I wanted my deepfake to read, so I chose Barack Obama. And then seconds later... As many of you know, this is my final trip overseas as President of the United States. And I was determined on my last trip to come to Greece. Part of me is going, that is hilarious. And then another part of me going, now I've seen my face actually myself be moulded and manipulated. Now I'm terrified. Yeah. That is quite astonishing. They were able to make you look like you were giving a speech made by the former U.S. president from just one photo. Your mouth was moving like you were saying it. You're even blinking. It's hard to believe what your eyes are seeing. And uh, sorry, Mike, but I did get a bit carried away with all this. Can we get me singing Nancy Sinatra? Is that okay if we change it? (laughs) (laughs) Yes! He wore black and I wore white. He would always win the fight. Bang, bang. (laughs) Shot him down. Bang, bang. Oh, my God. (laughs) Okay, fun stuff. But let's get back to the serious point. What are researchers doing to detect deepfakes? Well, it all comes down to algorithms and deep learning. If the machines have enough data, they know what is a deepfake, how to make a deepfake, and, yes, how to detect a deepfake. Here's Maya Pantic again. The issue and the biggest problem in solving the, the problem of detection of fake videos is to have a very large database of fake videos. And we currently don't have a very large database of fake videos. We can produce the fake videos of, on our own, but they are all produced by one method. We can collect different methods or re-implement different methods that exist for production of fake videos and produce more fake videos. Maya isn't the only professor in artificial intelligence to do this. Many experts in this field are training, like Hao Li, the AI expert from the University of Southern California. If you wanted to be able to detect deepfakes, you need to be able to generate really realistic ones. This is how these algorithms work. So that's another reason why you have to push this technology to see what is even possible. So what Howe and other researchers are doing is working together. One group will make the deepfake and the other group will find out how it was created. What we're looking at are basically what we call the... um, soft biometrics, which is what are unique motion signatures of the person that you can obviously tell that this is certainly not how Donald Trump would say things. This is not how how Putin moves, right? So micro-expressions, 
how certain actions correlate with each other. These are little tiny traits or motions, maybe not even noticeable by humans. The way people look when they talk and the way they show expression, and a computer can be trained to pick these up. And we're looking at these type of statistics in order to, you know, attribute、uh, certain videos to you know known people where we have knowledge about their emotions. And you know that was sort of like a first step to look into how can we detect deepfakes of personalities where we have more knowledge about them. Interesting, but it sounds like these researchers are playing cat and mouse with each other in learning to detect deepfakes. It's got the attention of social media giants such as Facebook, who will be launching later this year the Deepfake Detection Challenge, working with artificial intelligence experts from around the world in creating a database for deepfakes. That will enhance their detection. We believe that uh, uh, if we will be able to build a detector that can,、uh, you know, robustly detect uh, uh, fake videos, I'm laughing、uh, because you know, in principle, it is very difficult. The more we develop the detectors, the more the technology for production of fake videos will actually be able to anticipate how we detect the fake videos. So it is really. Uh, chicken and egg problem, you know. Sounds like they are all bracing for a coming storm. Everyone I talk to seems to agree. You are going to see deepfakes on your social media feeds, and sooner rather than later. Yes, they will be very fun to play around with, but there is also some real danger. Simply put, don't believe everything you see. That should be our motto. Thanks, Sean. That's it for this edition of the BBC Trending podcast. I'm Mike Wendling. Thanks to Sean Alsop for bringing us that story. Our production coordinator was Sarah Jackson. Our producer Jonathan Griffin, and our boss is Jeremy Skeet. You can use any of our social media outlets—Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram—to get in touch. Or if you want to message Trending with your thoughts on this or any of our other podcasts, then you can email me. My email: michael.wendling@bbc.co.uk. And before I go, I want to introduce you to another gem of listening pleasure from our colleagues here at the BBC World Service. It's the podcast that wants to have a chat. When it's good, you could be sitting there talking to your favorite celebrity. Next thing you know, you could be in the Hudson River. The conversation is about bringing together two women from different countries who have a shared experience, passion, or profession. It was a wonderful hedonistic lifestyle. I loved solving math. Questions. I'm Kim Chakaneta, and I'm the host of the Conversation from the BBC World Service. Working in a hospital has been my dream. Oh, you're roadie! You know, it's like you must be smelly and dirty. <laughs> We're always surprised by some of the stuff that comes up. They'll say something, and it's oh, is that the same for you there in this country? Did it spur you on, Rose? Because in a way,、yeah. you've got nothing to lose. Exactly, exactly. What I really enjoy is finding out how eager the guests are to speak to each other. I think this is so important. To meet other women and feel inspired by them. You're already my role model right now, Rebecca. <laughs> It's amazing to be able to hear these stories, to to hear about their successes, and to hear about their struggles. I didn't want to be just like one story that everybody's talking about because they are shocked. And to leave the room feeling completely inspired. There's nothing that you can't do in this world if you set your mind to it. That's the conversation from the BBC World Service. Find it wherever you get your podcasts.